You are listening to the Campus Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Dinah Jansen. Each Wednesday on CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, I welcome a new guest from Queen's University to discuss news, issues, upcoming events, initiatives, and services for the benefit of Queen's students, faculty, staff, and alumni. Thanks for tuning in to this podcast, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Campus Beat. I have the great pleasure of welcoming Erin LeBlanc, who is a director uh, for the Office of the Dean at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University, as well as a professor in international trade law at Smith. Welcome, and also a co-host of CFRC's long-running program, Gender Talk. 5.30s or 5 o'clock on Tuesday evenings. Yeah. Welcome, Aaron, to the virtual studio today. Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a virtual studio. I mean, we're used to doing that at Gender Talk Kingston. We do it by virtual, but uh, yeah, it's a whole different time. <laughs> yes, indeed it yeah. is. Yeah, so, so thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we have a lot of fun things to talk about together today. Right. Uh, and one of those things is your new memoir. And I'm really super stoked to talk about that with you. But before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe the work that you do at Smith School of Business here at Queen's? Sure. So um, I've been at Queen's for about uh, 30 years, 30, 34 years. I've been at Smith for just over 25 years um, in a variety of administrative roles from leading academic programs to administration. So I'm currently a director of strategic program developing and accreditation, which is a mouthful, in the office of the dean at Smith. I'm also, as you mentioned, um, an adjunct um, professor teaching international trade law in our graduate programs. So um, that's sort of my quote unquote day job. (laughs) Um, And uh, then, of course, there's um, other advocacy work I do, being a member of the LGBTQ community, um, I do advocate for the community, in particular the transgender community, um, and that work is being done locally within Queens and Kingston, as well as provincially and nationally, and also a little bit into the U.S., Okay, I'd like to hear a little bit more on the advocacy work that you do sure. here at the transgender community. Uh, yeah. And maybe you can also tell us a little more about the super awesome show you do on CFRC. There you go. Yeah, that's, that's one of the fun things that I get to do. I mean, I get to do a lot of fun things. My advocacy work is also fun. Um, so it's about uh, identifying re- and removing barriers uh, for um, people of the transgender community, in, in particularly in workplace um, or in healthcare or in legal services. So those are the areas that I focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, I've um, worked with uh, a few law firms on how to make their workplace uh, more uh, welcoming and supportive for both trans um, employees as well as transgender clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked with um, and spoken to the um, ER doctors at KGH, for example, on how to make the ER more welcoming, as well as um, the family residents, family medicine residents, um, mm-hmm. going through the medical program at Queens. I meet with them every year and talk about trans health, transgender health, um, and then individual practices, um, dental practices, athletic therapy practices, about how they can make their practice more welcoming and supportive to people in the transgender community. So it's around documentation, paperwork, you know, meeting them in the waiting room, um, how to um, the correct, use the correct, the, the, their proper pronouns, um, and, you know, and, and how to 
work with the documentation because they have legal requirements that they have to report for, document, for documentation around identification of the, of the, uh, the uh, patients and clients, but also um, what can they do to also make sure that um, the individuals are treated with respect and dignity around the correct use of name and pronouns. So that's a lot of what I do uh, around the advocacy work. So that's uh, getting pretty busy, um, especially with this, these times of heightened aware, awareness of uh, include, inclusive um, equity, diversion, inclusion, and indigeneity, EDII, as we, as we call it. So that's um, more and more organizations are looking to do that, which is, um, which is great. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, and then of course I do other things. I've um, um, worked with, um, or get asked for presentations within, within organizations as well. Um, and for example, this morning I did a guest lecture in one of the classes at Queen's Site 333 by Dr. Carolyn Pupil. Um, so I address her class every year on gender and gender identity. So we did that um, and did an interview, another media interview earlier today um, regarding gender um, and transgender issues um, around my book, which was awesome. And of course, the fun times we have at Gender Talk Kingston with <laughs> Teresa and Violet. Our show is on every Tuesday at five uh, for one hour from five to six, where we talk about issues that impact the uh, transgender community. Usually it can be from either news items um, that, that pop up and um, we uh, have a conversation between the three of us. So it's a very sort of relaxed conversational type show. We talk about things that pop up or also we also do um, educational aspects. So we'll pick a topic and then drill down to it to explain what that means. So the listening audience can have better ideas about certain concepts and ideas um, and terminology for the community. Wonderful. Thank you for all of that. I appreciate it. So one of the reasons why we are sitting down together today, I haven't seen you at the studio in person in quite some time, so it's a real treat to see you virtually. Yeah. Uh, and I've just recently learned, and I'm very excited to learn, that you've recently published a memoir yes. entitled Stranger in the Mirror, The Search for Me, a memoir that has already hit a lot of, already getting a lot of accolades from what I can see on the internet. Uh, congratulations on Thank you. Uh, developing and then releasing this new memoir. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it and how and why you got a memoir underway? Sure. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very fortunate um, to have received um, such positive response to the book. Um, I mean, there are endorsements within the book and on my website from the provost here at Queens, Terry Shearer, um, the president of Carleton University, the president of the University of Alberta, um, the director, CEO director of um, Canadian Center for Diversity, director at the 519 Toronto. So it's been sort of, you know, endorsed and, and uh, talked about in forms, forms of testimonials. Um, so um, I was fortunate to um, be introduced to a great publisher and uh, editor, Diane Ryers of um, Daring to Share Global um, through uh, mutual acquaintance. And um, through some conversations, he said, you know, your story has meaning um, and your story has impact and we need to tell that story. So formed a relationship um, with, with uh, her as an editor and the publishing company and sort of, um, got down to work of creating my story as a memoir. So it, um, it traces my, my, uh, the narrative that is my life from the time I was very young 
<clears throat> to uh, up to present day, up until last year. So basically it is descriptive of what gender dysphoria is, what it's like to suffer from gender dysphoria. And the motivation for the book was, was threefold actually. One, it was to provide some sense of a good news story. And, and that's not to say that my story is deserving a celebration, but it's with all the, the, the stories that we're hearing out there in currently in the news from various jurisdictions around the world and how negative it can be and how much the, the community is under attack. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have something for the community to realize that um, there is, uh, it is possible to be your authentic self. It is possible to take the journey and be true to who you are um, mm -hmm. and that it can be done. Because if I can do it, just about anybody can do it. So um, that was one thing that, that I wanted to create up there is to, uh, at least a sense of, of a good news story. The second aspect was that I wanted to create um, a resource for people who want to be or who are currently supporters and allies and want to do a better job at that as to what the community needs via my story, mm -hmm. um, what uh, a supporter and, and ally looks like and, and what we need um, and how to, how to be better um, at, at doing that. So, um, I mean, I must, it, I must have to emphasize that it is my story and only my story. I don't speak for others mm -hmm. in the community, but there are some general aspects that I think are shared by um, a lot of people within the community that will resonate in, with my story. But everyone's journey is individual. And I think that's key is that everyone needs to be respected as an individual. And what is the journey for one may not be the same as others. So people have to learn to treat everyone as an individual and, and see who they are as an, as an individual. Um, so that was, that was key. And then the, the third reason was a, uh, an education forum for the general public to help them to understand what gender dysphoria is, what mm -hmm. being transgender, means um, that it is not a lifestyle choice. Um, this is something that we are born with. So I go through some explanations about, about what, what it is, the difference between sex and gender and what that means. And then um, what it's through my story, what, what an example it is to like to suffer with gender dysphoria and then how to, to overcome that and, and do so successfully to be um, a happy individual mm -hmm. that has that that congruency between sex and gender and, they, and can be who they are and have a wonderful life. Thank you. Yeah. So I'd like to learn more about the ways in which your memoir uh, does serve as a supportive, but again, non-prescriptive guide for folks out there living with gender dysphoria and also a guide for family supporters, friends, yeah. allies. Mm -hmm. yeah. But before we jump into that, I wonder if for the benefit of some of our listeners who are maybe still learning about the concept and trying to learn more, um, or perhaps wondering if, they're, if they may be experiencing it themselves, what is gender dysphoria? Right, okay, so that's a great question. So um, gender dysphoria results when one's um, sex assigned at birth does not match their, un their internalized gender. Mm -hmm. So sex assigned at birth, you can imagine, is defined pretty binary, which is a whole other discussion, but as male or female based on physical attributes. Gender is who you are in your 
heart, your soul, your body, your, the true fiber of your being. It's, it's what, how your brain is encoded. Um, so, you know, sex is assigned first during gestation, but then gender is, is also assigned. And that's why I say you're, it's something that you have at birth. And for the vast majority of the population, according to recent, recent research and data, 99.5% of the population has that congruency where their sex assigned at birth matches their gender. So they're born um, male um, as a sex and their gender is as a man. Mm -hmm. So there's no issues. For someone with gender dysphoria, those two don't match up. And, and, and I use my story as, as an example. So my sex assigned at birth was male due to male physical attributes, but my gender um, is as, was as a girl, as, as a woman. My, mm -hmm. my brain was coded that way. My brain craved estrogen, but I was a testosterone producing machine um, and that didn't work very well. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's what happens. Now we can't change the brain and we can't change essence and soul, but we can change physical attributes, right? So that's, that's how one overcomes. And in my case, that's how I, I was able to overcome my gender dysphoria was deciding to survive. Mm -hmm. And deciding to survive, that can only be done via transitioning. So I didn't make the decision to transition. I made the decision to, to, um, to survive. So I did it not because I wanted to, I did it because I had to. Indeed. So I, you know, I, I, people need to know that it's not, it's not a lifestyle choice. No one would choose to have gender dysphoria. It is a terrible soul sucking energy vortex that just takes over your life. And, and you are no longer the driver on the bus that is your life. You are in total control of gender dysphoria. Often results in depression. Um, you know, I had severe anxiety attacks. Um, in, in the transgender community, those that suffer from gender dysphoria, um, you know, it's 40% suicide attempt rate compared to the general population of 2.7%. I mean, that's a dramatic difference between the two. And that's all due to gender dysphoria because it robs you of self-esteem and self-worth mm -hmm. um, of, of any type of, of coherent being. Um, and that's, that's what gender dysphoria is in a nutshell. Well, thank you very much for uh, sharing that with us and sharing a little bit about your own experience, as mm -hmm. you've also talked about in the memoir. Uh, I think it certainly helps us get a little closer to a greater appreciation of and empathy for yeah. folks living with the experience, especially maybe for uh, cisgendered folks like myself who can't really understand because we've never lived through the experience. And I'm glad you didn't have to. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. <laughs> So. so with it just a little more, or a little bit closer to uh, an understanding, perhaps, mm -hmm. and knowing that everybody's story is quite unique, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. mm -hmm. how does your memoir work as a helpful guide for first other folks experiencing gender dysphoria? Mm -hmm. And second, those folks out there seeking to be better allies? Right. So the book is centered around um, a daily journal that I kept between 2015 and 2018 mm -hmm. that goes back and, and records thoughts and memories and feelings from my early days um, as I go back in retrospect and then current times through 2015 to 18. And what I did is I took excerpts from that, that journal um, for the book and then I wrote a narrative around, uh, around those. So throughout the book, there's, there's excerpts of, of raw emotion and feeling. And then I wrote the narrative around that to give it some context. 
so there's real life experience there. So a lot of a lot of people have told me that something in there resonates for them. It may not be mm-hmm. the entire part, but they say, "Oh yeah, I went through that, or I'm going through that, or that resonates with me." So I think by providing that variety, I think there's something that will resonate with a lot of people that are that are in the community. Um, and through my description of how I got through my transition, I employed a number of strategies to to help me get through the times and the anxiety attacks and all that. So they may find some strategies in there that they find helpful. Um, I, I strongly support um, seeking out professional help. I mean, I put together a team around me. Um, I, call it, I call it my soft spot to land. Um, so when things did go wrong, I already had them set up. So my gender therapist, my regular therapist, my endocrinologist, my family doctor, my athletic therapist, all working together to provide a very safe, medically sound support system for me, mm-hmm. um, for both my physical, emotional well-being. Um, so that's, that's sort of another strategy that I, I demonstrate how that worked uh, to my benefit. And then um, for supporters, it's, it's what people did to support me. In particular, what people did to support me in the workplace at Queens when I came out at Queens um, in 2016. Mm-hmm. That was nothing short of amazing. Um, the support um, and encouragement that I received was spectacular. Um, and, I chrono- I, and, and I demonstrate that and I write about that um, to show what an ally looks like, what a supporter looks like, um, what are the actual behaviors um, <clears throat> that that I experienced, that people um, had in, in my in my sphere uh, of mm-hmm. influence and and uh, my points of contact that really helped me. So it sort of shows that this this is what they did and this is what worked. Um, so it, that it is possible to be a supporter and ally in, in a workplace or, or otherwise. So I'm hoping that's what um, will work for resonate with people. Wonderful, thank you. Yeah. Now, uh, you have talked a little bit as well today about one's authentic self, including yes. your own. Yes. What mm-hmm. does your memoir have to say about living as one's authentic self? And with that in mind, have you overcome struggle to reach that point? Exactly. So um, great question. I mean, for the first five decades of my life, I was not my authentic self. <clears throat> I was... Um, um, trapped with gender with gender dysphoria, and um, could not be who I truly uh, who I truly am, the woman that I am today, um, which is awful. And I think it's it's something that a lot of people take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> to be your authentic self is nothing short of amazing. When you wake up in the morning, and you look in the mirror, and the reflection that you see is who you are. That is one of the most incredible things. And still to this day, every morning when I get up and I look in the mirror, it's like, yeah, all right, now we're talking. Right? That's a great way to wake up. <laughs> yeah, you know, bed head included, right? I mean, <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, um, you know, no makeup, bed head. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's, that's the authenticity, to, to have the freedom to be who you are and be accepted for who you are. And that's my message for particularly young people mm-hmm. that you can do this. And it's, 
so worthwhile. You don't have to suffer. You should not have to suffer. Mm -hmm. um, and suffer is not too strong a word. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. I use that word very purposefully. Um, and that everyone should be able to be their authentic self because there's no better way to go through life than being true to who you are. Mm -hmm. And to give the world the gift of your light is something that I think we need now more than ever. Okay. All right. So we are unfortunately running out of time oh, wow. and I could, I could really just talk to you for uh, on a lot of issues that, and, oh, okay. and things that you brought up earlier in a conversation. Oh, so I think I'll just have to tune in every Tuesday to your program. <laughs> and, learn and you can catch us, you know, on the archive. <laughs> Indeed. But before we do run out of time, Aaron, I wonder if you might be able to uh, tell us a little bit about what you know of um, supports and services uh, that might be out there for folks that are experiencing or believe they may be experiencing gender dysphoria now, uh, yeah. but also supports and services available for those friends, allies, and supporters, right. family yeah. members who just yeah. want to learn how to be more awesome. Yeah, I mean, for the transgender community, um, there's, a, there's an awesome, there's a couple of awesome support groups. One is Trans Family Kingston. Mm-hmm which meets once, once a month, and it's for, any, for individuals that have any connection to someone who's transgender, be it themselves or a family member. I mean, we have um, children, um, younger, I shouldn't say children, younger people attending who are experiencing um, gender dysphoria and, and are in the process of transitioning or trying to figure, figure that out. Uh, mm -hmm. We have parents, we have grandparents, we have siblings. So it's a real um, mix of age range and experiences and perspectives that come together mm -hmm. in a very safe and inclusive environment to have meaningful discussions and to make some links and to find out, I'm looking for this. Does anyone know that someone that does this or does anyone know someone that does this? So that's a really great place to start. Okay. For those that have very young children, and I've seen children as young as, <clears throat> young as three or four years old um, that, are, that are quote unquote coming out to their parents and expressing um, that they are a, uh, a gender that's different than their sex assigned at birth. Um, there is a group that's called Together We Move Mountains, and it specifically focuses on younger children. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a support group set up by parents of, of transgender children um, who do amazing, amazing work and are a great, great resource as well. Um, so, and then there's the family, uh, family Medicine Clinic, the Kingston Family Health Clinic, um, that is starting to uh, now see transgender um, patients mm -hmm. to provide services for them. Um, I think that's a great place to go as well. So those are, those are some right in the Kingston area themselves. Mm -hmm. um, there are more as you reach out and, and the, the, as the circle, the geographical circle expands, there's others in areas such as Ottawa and Peterborough, Toronto, of course, but that's sort of Kingston based. Okay. Um, and there are more and more family doctors that are starting to realize that they can, um, they have the ability to see transgender patients that it's not that difficult. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for uh, pointing folks in the right direction. And don't forget, listeners, too, you can also read Aaron LeBlanc's memoir, Stranger in the Mirror, The Search for Me, as another helpful guide yes. uh, on the journey to overcoming and surviving gender dysphoria mm -hmm. and finding one's authentic self. And for folks out there also being a better ally as well. Thank you very much, Erin, for joining us today in the virtual studio here on Campus Beat. We really do appreciate your time.
Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and it's always great to talk to you as well. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.